Welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Vampires. That's right, we're back with the Gentleman's Guide to Vampires explicitly for the first time in a long time. I realised last week we did a Guide to Vampires that was very much a behind-the-curtain look at things. This one is going to be a little bit of both. We're going to talk about design and we're going to talk about in-universe implementation. And the subject is the beckoning. Now, the beckoning is a phenomenon introduced in Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition. Even if you're not a 5th edition fan, I think you'll find certain elements of this video insightful and hopefully interesting. So we shall see. First and foremost, though, why am I making this video? Well, we have a subscriber by the name of uh, Luis Eduardo to thank for this video uh, because uh, he more or less bribed me. <laughs> yes, I was bribed. I was weak. I gave in. Uh, quite simply, Luis commented on the last Vampire Link video to say, I'd love it if you could explain what the beckoning was all about, or words to that effect. And I said, rather glibly, if you back the world below on Backerkit, I will more than happily make a video on the beckoning. Now, wouldn't you know it, Luis actually did it. So here I am making a video on the uh, beckoning, but that did give me a bright idea. The world below is in that two-week, three-week period of uh, crowdfunding where things slow down a great deal. So as an idea to get more backers, people like you, if you want me to create a video on a specific topic, it doesn't have to be vampire-related, though it absolutely can be, uh, you can request it in the comments. My only condition, you have to back the world below at the cartographer tier or higher. Now, I've done video creation based on patronage, people supporting my Patreon before. It's been moderately popular. hasn't been a runaway success. Most people back my Patreon for me to run games for them. Uh, but some people do it. I realise why it isn't popular, and that's because videos don't really feel tangible. You know, it's one shot and it's done. Well, this offer not only gets you a video of your subject, but also gets you a role-playing game, a brand new one, co-created by a lot of World of Darkness creators. We've got people from Mage, from Werewolf, from Vampire, from Chronicles of Darkness as well, all on the world below, as well as Ed Greenwood, of course, from the Forgotten Realms. So it is a wonderful blend of designers on the world below. And it has a lot of elements you would enjoy from the World of Darkness in too. But anyway, this video isn't an advertisement for the World Below. I did that in the last one. Do check out the backer kit in the description below. If you are interested uh, and you do back the campaign, a cartographer tier or higher, come here, post in the comments the video you want to see, and I will make it for you. So, let's talk about the beckoning, as Luis Eduardo requested. First things first, what is the beckoning? Well, the beckoning is, very simply put, a means by which all the Methuselahs, or not all of them, a lot of the Methuselahs, Elders, and Powerful Ancillae in Vampire the Masquerade disappear. They disappear from your domains, they disappear from their entrenched positions of power and influence, they are gone from Vampire the Masquerade. Now, that's that. That's what the beckoning is uh, at a very high level. So let's talk about design. Why did this happen? Why did we make this choice? We people who worked on Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition. Was this a flight of fancy? Did we decide it just because we don't like elders? 
<laughs> uh, we don't like level 6 plus disciplines. What is the thinking behind the beckoning? From a pure design perspective, it's based on feedback. We are aware of a great deal of Vampire the Masquerade fans who have long complained or criticised the fact that Chronicles of Vampire were often resolvable via the actions of Methuselah's Elders and Ancillae, and often those characters would even appear in those stories to the point that player characters are unnecessary. Their involvement is utterly superfluous. It's the Raiders of the Lost Ark issue, the old theory that if Indiana Jones and Marion were not present, the same ending would come about regardless. Now, I do disagree with this principle. Uh, I didn't come up with the beckoning idea, though I certainly helped implement it. But I disagree with the principle that NPCs are somehow able to carry a plot without player character involvement. When you look at your Lucitas, your Beckett's, your Theo Bells, whether it's in Beckett's Jihad Diary, Transylvania Chronicles, Giovanni Chronicles, or whatever... A lot of these characters are stand-ins for player characters, because we don't know when writing Chronicles, especially for a game like Vampire, that's so... Well, we have no way of knowing what you're going to do. A D&D campaign is relatively easy to write in comparison to Vampire, because Vampire is heavily based on decisions characters make socially. And you uh, isn't as simple as you need to go off, kill this monster, grab the treasure. I know D&D can be more complex than that, but take it from me, it is harder to write a vampire chronicle and account for all possible choices. So you have NPCs in these stories that don't actually have to be there. Player characters can do exactly what those NPCs do. This is why Lucita and Beckett and the like tend to be approximately character level in the campaigns in which they appear. Now, I say all of that. I am a storyteller who believes that NPCs should be existing to facilitate the plot rather than drive it. And just because I feel this way, and just because I feel we put innumerable sidebars in books to say the player characters have got the agency, these NPCs are just here for colour, there's still a great deal of storytellers and players who cannot get over that idea that their characters are superfluous to requirements. And so removing the Methuselah's elders and powerful ancillae from Vampire the Masquerade was a way of clearing the decks for player characters to feel like they have more agency for the players and storytellers who don't feel like they have it while living under the yoke of Mithras and Hardstadt and all these other super powerful vampires. That's one of the reasons. Now, one of the other design reasons is because Crisis is a more interesting place to enter a game than status quo. If you have powerful characters that have just vacated their positions, you are presenting domains at a precipice of disaster quite often or on the brink of civil war. This gives openings for player characters to actually take agency again. Also, if you really want to get involved in the esoterica of Vampire the Masquerade, the beckoning acts as a tie to Nod and Cain and the second generation, the Antediluvians, if you want to follow it and find out why that's what's going on.
Now, I should also note that the beckoning from a design perspective was never intended to apply to every single Methuselah, Elder, Ancillae, and so on. And that should be apparent based on the fact that in, I think, even the core book, but definitely Camarilla, you have characters of over 600 years of age speaking. Uh, I've often seen criticism on books like Chicago by Night to say, well, why is Helena still in the city? Uh, why have we got Critias still in the domain? Who is this Nerissa Blackwater? Shouldn't they have all been beckoned as well, etc., etc.? This is just uh, storytellers, or Onyx Path in this case, playing favourites and breaking the rules that were established in the V5 core. There were no rules established for the beckoning. The idea behind the beckoning is storytellers get to remove the Methuselahs, Elders and Ancillae that basically hinder plot rather than assist it. And Chicago is not the first book to do this. I, as I say, I can't off the top of my head say whether the core book does it but Camarilla definitely does you have all manner of inner circle vampires who are most certainly in the elder category and they haven't been beckoned, they are still around much the same as you don't hear of many beckonings going on from the Tremere Chantry or whatever if a vampire serves a useful purpose they have not been beckoned that is the design decision it's to create more space, but not remove the tier of elders entirely, because doing that you lose a valuable part of the game and a powerful uh, character to try and topple if you're playing that kind of story. So, all that said, it's not my fault, <laughs> but there was method to this uh, design decision. And while I don't necessarily agree with it, because I think storytellers can make that call themselves, the fact that it was written into the book was as a direct response to the sheer number of people who would complain about these characters existing and controlling everything behind the scenes, uh, while also presenting a new uh, setup for a term I know a lot of people are quite tired of hearing, street-level gameplay, because you're not going to be involved in the high-level uh, conflicts of Camarilla, Sabat, Anarchs, and so on. So it's a storyteller tool first and foremost. And I've never seen the argument, I've never agreed with the argument that NPCs block player character agency, because a storyteller worth their salt would never have their NPCs do that. But I appreciate that if you're running a game as written, without any kind of freedom of thought and inventiveness, then yeah. If you are reading it from the book, paragraph by paragraph, and you're adding nothing of your own, then those NPCs... And you might be able to detect I'm fairly... I'm not snobbish about it, I hope, but I do think there's a certain limit to imagination if you are literally just running Transylvania Chronicles from the book without anything specific to the player characters, and then at the end of it you're complaining, well, the NPCs got too much spotlight. You're the person who ran that. <laughs> we can't give you everything you need. Anyway, anyway, I don't want to get onto my high horse. I, in fact, I'm already on it. I think I've just fallen off. So anyway, 
You'll notice one other thing that we tended not to date things too much in V5, uh, at least at first in the books I worked on. That was deliberate. We didn't want to say that the beckoning occurred on a specific date or started at a specific time. There are some books that contradict this, but there's a, the idea of contradictions, much like the Hecata forming and so on, is the power to put things in the storyteller hands. And once again, we would receive criticism that, well, I need exact dates to know when, whether this affects my game. No, no you don't. You need to come up with the date that best fits your chronicle. This is why these things are left empty. If your biggest challenge is not knowing when to place the beckoning because it is not written explicitly in the book, then I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I'm sorry that that's your biggest challenge. Anyway, uh, I do find that fans who complain about meta plots are also the ones who are often the ones who want strict meta plots. <laughs> uh, saying, uh, uh, yeah, these characters uh, are interfering with my game, this world-shaking event has made my chronicle unplayable, and then in the second breath, so when did the Ravnos Antediluvian blow up? Anyway. Methuselahs, elders, some ancillae disappear as part of the beckoning. Yeah, so as you can tell, I'm maybe a little jaded on the subject. Leaving power vacuums in their place. The question is, how do you handle this in-game? Well, you've got the very obvious route, first of all. If you're playing a game that is set explicitly in V5, your characters were embraced now, and you want the beckoning as a historic event, which it kind of is in V5. It's, it started happening and it is still ongoing, but much of the worst damage is already done. Then your characters can be completely unaware of it. Your characters have never known godlike undead beings to rule the city. Uh, and so it uses that street level timing and uh, tone to set your games. Your characters are completely oblivious to all of this going on. It doesn't affect their night-to-night unlife. So in other words, one way to use the beckoning is never refer to it. Your players won't know any different. Because how many neonates truly interact with Methuselahs anyhow? So in that regard, the beckoning is most is best used when players are already keyed in to the Vampire the Masquerade plot, because, or the meta plot and such, because if they're not, why would they care, quite frankly? This is also a fair argument for why you aren't seeing many books that explicitly cover the beckoning, because there's so few chronicles that are going to really deal with it hands-on. It's not the archetypal vampire experience of struggles, night-to-night, blood, touchstones, um, domain, and so on. But anyway, that's option one, and it's not a very interesting one to do a video about, so let's go on to option two which is if your character was embraced before the beckoning or as the beckoning was just starting. Imagine, if you like, your fledglings and neonates are in Elysium for the first time and they get to see a prince or a powerful primogen or an elder of no specific clan turn another vampire or a ghoul into goop or ash, use some absolutely obscene level 6 or above discipline in public view 
you are going to be terrified because you're not capable of that. If you're lucky, you can make eye contact with someone and give them a one-word command that they might just follow. Uh, in this case, you're able to see gods on display and it puts you in an immediate position of terror. This is a good way to use Elders and Methuselahs for new vampire games. You know, they don't have to be interactive. They are forces of nature. They are environmental threats. You do not mess with these thousand-year-old canines. But what if that starts changing? What if the system of tyranny that your vampire is used to in their early nights suddenly disappears? Where's this vampire gone? I think that's actually quite scary. The idea of, well, yeah, that brooding bastard who's already destroyed two fledglings in Elysium, breaching the rules, and the sheriff can't impose law on this vampire because they're so damn old, is just gone. What the hell are they up to and what are they going to do next? Because the first assessment isn't going to be, well, someone must have destroyed them or they must have fled, or must have been beckoned, they, they're going to wonder, oh crap, did this vampire suddenly frenzy maybe? Have they become a white? Are they now prowling around the domain? It's going to put every vampire under them on edge. Now this is where mystery can come in. Your characters can investigate and can in fact discover that it isn't just this vampire who has disappeared. Maybe there are some isolated elders that very rarely attend Elysium who have also vanished from the domain. Now we have a conspiracy. Now we have something to investigate and we want to know what's going on. And most importantly, are these vampires going to come back? Because if they're not coming back, if there's no sign of their coming back, well, now there is an opportunity. These vampires have left ripe domains, ripe territory, herds, vessels, and so on, maybe even whole entourages that can be captured in the power vacuum. But who the hell is going to be brave enough, bold enough, stupid enough to step into a gulf that a Methuselah has just vacated, hoping against hope that Methuselah doesn't come back and say, what are you doing sleeping in my bed? Anyway, that is a way you can go with it. You can also have, of course, one thing we don't really establish in V5 and it's intentional is the feeling vampires get when they are being beckoned. We describe some of them as hearing an inexorable call, uh, which implies that they are being pulled against their volition. What happens if your character, again, fledgling on the street, street level V5, encounters a clearly terrified person and it turns out they are an elder vampire who's just been pulled from torpor doesn't know where they are but knows that they have to pack up their bags they have to get out of here i need to find my child or i need to warn them i need to tell them i'm going there's going to be a power vacuum who the hell is this person slow down slow down talk to me who are you uh, my name is uh, Daedalus. Uh, I am a Nosferatu with extended earlobes. I have been in this domain for the last 600 years before Los Angeles was even established. I need to go. I need to leave this place immediately. Uh, I can't explain the feelings that are in my head, but I know that if I stay here, I'm going to frenzy and there's going to be a disaster. I need to follow the call. They may not call it the beckoning. It's not sent to all of them by fax. So... Now you have a direct connection to the beckoning with your player characters. Now you have been maybe told to carry out this vampire's will or maintain their territory in their absence. See, there's things you can do with the beckoning to tie it into even a street-level story. Well, what else? Well, maybe even 
you should be concentrating not just on the vampires departing, but the vampires arriving. The thing I dislike most about the Beckoning is this idea of the migration east. I get that there's this cradle of civilization idea, this uh, Enoch idea, the Middle East or North Africa idea, that vampires are travelling back to the original city locations because their sires, their grandsires, the, the antediluvians, the second generation, Cain maybe, they're all summoning them there. I get that. But I also find it quite lazy as shorthand that can be used to justify certain real-world Middle East conflicts. I mean, wouldn't that be dreadful if someone tried to do that in a Vampire the Masquerade book? Uh, so, and yes, I do actually believe that would be a dreadful thing to write in a Vampire the Masquerade book. I'm not just being flippant there, I think it would be utterly ridiculous. And while V5 doesn't explicitly say something like that, it doesn't say the beckoning is responsible for conflict in the Middle East, a storyteller with less experience could quite easily make that leap, and I think that's a dangerous leap to make. So don't have them beckoned East. Don't just have them beckoned to the Middle East in particular. Have the beckoning take them to places that are interesting to you, the storyteller. And this is what I'm getting at a lot in this video. That when people complain about the meta plot, or people complain about NPCs, or people complain about the beckoning, and all of these things taking agency away from player characters, you give the agency to the player characters. What is an interesting place for vampires to be summoned to? Well, if we want to pull from meta plot, New York. Our game is set in L.A., all of a sudden, there is a convergence of elder vampires on New York. Why? Well, there's a Zenishi antediluvian living or unliving underneath it, if we're sticking to Metaplot. Well, that changes the political setup of New York a little, doesn't it? Imagine being in the domains en route to New York. Imagine answering the question, how do these vampires get there? They're not going to walk. Most of them are going to maintain enough sensibility to have their entourages transport them and it goes back to the idea of how are vampires feeling when they're being beckoned some will feel called some will feel fanatical joy if you consider the ministry the setites and how they might feel if their ancestors are calling them some are going to be terrified some of them are going to be in a trance-like state and moving there are all kinds of ways you can manifest this beckoning and also, there are all kinds of reasons you can avoid the beckoning for various other vampires. I recommend actually having reasons for their being able to resist it, such as committing diablerie of their children, such as discovering new blood sorcery rituals, such as voluntarily descending into torpor, or becoming more uh, humane, you know, pursuing a path of morality specifically to drown out the voices in their spirit, their beast. There's lots of ways you can do that. But, our vampires are in LA and they're seeing all these elders disappear overnight. In a staggered fashion, in fact, would be better. And vampires, if your vampires are following this trail of canites heading east, to the east coast in this case, or if your vampires are in fact not in LA, but are in cities en route, we'll look at Milwaukee and Chicago and... Detroit and so on, you know, that lovely heartland area, you could suddenly be faced with the 
an imminent arrival of a powerful elder. Maybe their entourage arrives first. Elysium is called. There is a ghoul or a child, you know, a neonate in, in attendance who has not been seen before and says, My sire, the fifth generation Ventru Julian Luna is on his way to your domain and expects a kind reception. And so Prince Decker of Milwaukee says, Fine, if Prince Luna can abide by my traditions, Prince Luna can remain in my domain without hostility. And so, Prince Luna arrives three nights later, a bit twitchy but glad because Prince Luna is being summoned somewhere, doesn't really understand it, but that's all Prince Luna knows. Prince Decker is fine with it because Luna follows the traditions most of the time, and so Luna is here as a guest. But wouldn't you know it, two nights later another vampire shows up of equal power level. I am Prince Cyrus of Las Vegas. Um, in fact, yes, I've, I've, got, I've fucked up my Kindred the Embrace references there because that should have been San Francisco. I am Prince Cyrus of LA. That Luna, he's Prince of San Francisco. I don't know why he's introducing himself as Prince of LA. What nonsense. I am Prince Cyrus of LA. And I also require sanctuary. Well, now things are getting a little odd. What are the odds of, you know, you wait all your unlife for a prince to show up to turn up at once? And that happens. People are a little curious now. What on earth is going on? One week later, three elders, or maybe even a Methuselah and two elders, show up on the same night. Now we're looking at potential catastrophe, crisis, because we don't know how long they're going to be here, but we know they require a lot of resources, they require a lot of support, every additional canite is another risk to the masquerade, the Inquisition might take notice, and they are acting in a very twitchy, unpredictable fashion. What's more, they don't like each other, these vampires from LA, San Francisco, and Vegas, but here they are. And yeah, right now they're my guests. When can we move them on to wherever their ultimate destiny destination happens to be. That creates a very interesting scenario you can explore in Vampire the Masquerade, utilising the beckoning. The unwanted guest, the ultra-powerful ancient vampire, <laughs> who doesn't necessarily know your customs, but is here against their own volition. Now, imagine you are familiar with the status quo in your domain, and the prince suddenly disappears. Well, now you've got a power opening, you've got a gulf. Uh, the question arises again, do you take it? Do you support a member of the Primogen to take it? What happens if everyone, the let's say the prince disappears, and there's an obvious successor. It's the prince's child, who was embraced pretty soon after the prince. The prince's child has been groomed for this position, has been trained. Everyone's happy to support the prince's child. It's Edmund, the black prince. Everyone wants the black prince to be uh, the successor. And then he's gone as well. And you're left with Richard II. Ah, well, uh, no one really wanted Richard to be prince, but I guess that's the best possible option. All of a sudden you have infighting. All of a sudden you've got Lancastrians versus Yorkists and Percys and Nevilles and Mortimers and all these other powerful dynastic families if we're going to go a little Middle Ages in England, as I am with this example. My point being... The beckoning creates crisis, and crisis creates chronicles. But only if you want to run chronicles that involve that kind of heady political question. Now, I recommend, as I say, keeping the beckoning somewhat local. 
Uh, and if the vampire characters really, the player characters get really invested in it, have them be able to travel to the ultimate destination. Be able to subvert it. This is not an ineffable tide. You can head to New York, find out that all these incredibly powerful vampires are basically dismissing their retainers and saying, I'm going to be descending into the sewers now. What the... F you know, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of uh, bound childer and ghouls and blood dolls who are saying... Our master, our regal master, has just descended into the New York metro and has not emerged. What the hell am I going to do now? Those are the kinds of people who may well approach a coterie of vampires and say, Could you look? We've been told not to follow. You haven't. And that's where you find the practically factory line of elders being fed into the Zimishi, antediluvians, more, yeah, multiple mouths, or something like that. Some are, are serving the elder, as it's known, the eldest, as it's known. Some are um, resisting or trying to flee, trying to overcome their mental bonds. Others are still locked in that trance-like state and are willing to walk into their own demise to fuel this powerful growth. Will the beckoning ever conclude in V5 with the uprising of 13 antediluvians who try and take over the world? I don't think so. I don't think the plot will ever actually make it that far. This is a story. It's a story you can interact with or not. It is also a tool to clear decks that you can interact with or not. What it absolutely isn't is a mandate that you have to use. If Chicago by Night and Cults of the Blood Gods and Camarilla and Anarch uh, tell us absolutely anything, it's that you can keep Lucinda, you can keep Helena, you can keep your Hecata, who aren't affected by the beckoning anyhow. You can you can keep Hesher Hards, and what's more, you can then move on to the Sabbat, and you can see Lucita is still around, and Vikash is still around, and all these other elders are still around because it's your choice who gets beckoned. This is not a flat mandate that every single old vampire needs to disappear. This is an opportunity, a tool that you, the storytellers, can use to remove whichever ones you wish to make your chronicles more interesting. And ultimately, that is all it is. So, with that said, thank you so much, Luis, for requesting this video. I do hope it's been helpful to some of you who are a little confused by the beckoning and didn't know how to use it. And once again, if anyone here is interested in uh, other videos that I could make on the subject, then, or any subject, quite frankly, back that backer kit, which is linked right below at the cartographer tier or higher, and request a video. I will be more than happy to uh, create videos for you if you give the campaign some support. Thank you very much for watching and hope to see you again soon.